Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, some days you just have a lot to talk about. We've got Rondi Barber speaking at the Valspar this afternoon. Had a chance to talk with him a little bit about his induction or enshrinement, I should say, is coming up into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also, the Bucks have hired three assistant coaches. We will get into that as well as Tampa Bay may also use their franchise player designation on a guy for the fourth time in four years. Won't be the same guy, obviously. Talking about Jamel Dean, we'll tell you how they can get that done. And that's uh, about a two-week window that began on Tuesday. Uh, but first, let's start with the Bucks news when it comes to their coaching staff. Of course, we're going to have an opportunity to talk later today and actually meet and be introduced to Dave Canales, their new offensive coordinator from the Seattle Seahawks. He, of course, uh, was hired last week and is in the process of filling out his offensive coaching staff, and some of that happened uh, again on um, on Tuesday afternoon. It sort of trickled in as we were uh, as we were at Valspar. As a matter of fact, talking to Ronnie Barber. Uh, start with uh, former Cowboys running backs coach Skip Pete is going to be coaching running backs for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He was let go by the Cowboys. Skip Pete is the uh, brother of Rodney Pete. You remember the former NFL quarterback for the Lions. Um, also the son of uh, Willie Pete, who was a coach with the Tampa Bay Bucks, also coached running backs back in the Sam White's days for three seasons. So um, a lot of history with this organization. I can remember Willie. It's weird that I've covered both his dad and now him coaching running backs with the Bucks. But you think about the job that, that he did uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, who, of course, came into Tampa Bay and, and beat the Bucks up pretty well. Uh, running and passing the ball. But, you know, he had Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard had a terrific Pro Bowl year, Malik Davis. Um, they all finished the year without any fumbles, which is really saying something. Of course, we saw, um, you know, Rashad White put the ball on the ground a few times last year. And really, um, Pete has been credited with the development of, uh, you know, of, of Tony Pollard, who who really emerged as, the Cowboys, I think, top running back, um, supplanting Ezekiel Elliott. They both were very good when called upon. But, um, you know, look, I, I'm not sure exactly what stable of running backs will be back for the Bucks this year. Uh, we would expect, obviously, Rashad White, who had, a, a, you know, an increased role as the season went on. He became the starter. Still have to wait and see on Leonard Fournette. There's a possibility that they may move on from him to some degree and save a few million dollars under the salary cap. That is um, one of those veterans that is sort of vulnerable. If you think about it in terms of cuts and trying to get down below that salary cap. So you got to look out for that as well. And then of course um, they still have Keyshawn Vaughn and some other running backs too, maybe joining um, Dave Canales from places in Seattle and places he has been before. Um, they also uh, were able to hire a longtime veteran NFL assistant. George Edwards is going to be the Bucks outside linebackers coach. He also was let go by the Dallas Cowboys. If you think about 
Edwards and and uh, you know what the Cowboys were able to do with uh, Mika Parsons, uh, and then you try to translate that and say, okay, you know there are some young, um, hopefully ascending outside linebackers, edge pass rushers uh, that that he might be able to help here uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, Joe Tryon Shawinka being first and foremost because he's a guy that needs to take another step, and so you know that that would be something that would be a plus and. You know, Edwards is is well regarded. I think uh, for the most part in NFL circles, I, I think he's a guy that uh, will be a good addition here. Uh, both those guys looking for jobs, obviously, both let go by the Cowboys. And then finally, and this was kind of interesting <laughs> that um, this news was broken by uh, none other than Geno Smith, the Seattle Seahawks quarterback, when he learned that Thad Lewis, who of course was on the Buccaneers staff as an assistant receivers coach has been promoted to quarterbacks coach. Now that contract as of Tuesday night was not quite done yet, but Thad Lewis looks like he is going to be the quarterbacks coach. Of course, only one quarterback under contract right now, and that's Kyle Trask. Um, you know, Thad Lewis is an interesting guy. He, he uh, was part of about six or seven organizations as a player, former Duke quarterback, this was a guy, when I talked to Bruce Arians this time last year, and this was before Arians had decided to retire, he was hopeful that Byron Leftwich, you know, was going to get a head coaching job. Of course, he did not. He was a candidate in Jacksonville. And so Byron came back as coordinator. But Lewis was a guy that Bruce Arians really wanted to groom as a potential offensive coordinator. So uh, thought very highly of in the organization, obviously, doesn't have the experience, to say the least, of a Clyde Christensen. I'm still not sure, uh, you know, why he he retired. But when given the option, but I think they wanted to move on from Clyde. I mean, Clyde coached Tom Brady, coached Peyton Manning. Now you're going with sort of new blood. Not a guy that I think necessarily has a a uh, history with Dave Canales. But look, this this is not uh, this is by design. Okay, it's not by accident that. This coaching staff, which was one of the largest in the NFL under under Bruce Arians, I think some 32 coaches maybe they had at one point, they are reducing the size of this staff. They are still paying uh, a number of these coaches that have been fired and or retired um, for another year. And so rather than hire a bunch of new guys, and they have hired some new guys obviously, um, but they want to make use of some of the guys who are still around, and that would seem to include Thad Lewis, who – you know, was an extra receivers coach. Now he moves, um, you know, to the, um, the quarterback's position and has just Kyle Trask to work with. What happens with that position? Who's to say? Um, there's some questions we'll get to in the mailbag here in a second that will address some of the quarterback positions, um, you know, and, and candidates that are out there. But, uh, but you know, they got some experienced guys. I mean, Edwards is 56. Um you know, he was a guy that worked on Spurrier's, Steve Spurrier's first uh, SEC team at the University of Florida way back in 91. Uh, he's been with six other NFL teams, spent the last three, as I said, as a Cowboys senior defensive assistant. Uh, prior to that, you know, he was with the Vikings for about five years or so, and they were among the NFL's best scoring defenses at that time. It's hard to, for me to believe that uh, – that, that Pete is 60 because, like I said, his dad was up there in age uh, even back in uh, in the mid-90s when he came here. Um, but he's coached for four different NFL teams, including twice with the Cowboys. And they have finished in the top 10 in rushing each of the last 
two seasons. And that's important. I mean, I think you're starting to see a push away from the no risk it, no biscuit mentality that Bruce Arians had to what Todd Bowles has wanted to do, which is run the football. And they just weren't any good at it. And I, you know, you can blame Lefferts for that. Um, by the same token, I think I understand why they threw it so much. Tom Brady was their best player. Their other best players were Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, and you can't just bang your head against the wall and be second and nine every day, you know, on every, on every down, every series. That's a tough way to make a living. So not that they wanted to be last in rushing attempts, but they were. They rushed for barely 1,300 yards. They were last in rushing average at 3.4 yards a carry. Now you bring in someone like Canales from Seattle where they were tied for fifth in rushing average at like 4.8, which is a great average uh, running the football, and, and they were committed to it, and they did it a lot of different ways, some creative ways, um, not as not as stayed, not as predictable as you'd see um, either the double teams inside, the double doubles, or, or the fullback leads and things like this. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit more movement um, so, you know, give those linebackers some eye candy, something to look at. Uh, but they were committed to the run and they ran it very well. Um, he replaces, uh, people replace Todd McNair, um, who was one of those assistants that, you know, kind of got the ax as well. But listen, uh, there'll be more hires. There's going to be some hires, I think, on the defensive side of the football as well. I'm, I'm anxious to talk to Canales because, you know, from what I hear about him, and we do know the wide receivers coach too, um, is Brad Idzik. He's um, the son of John Idzik, also coming from Seattle, was an assistant receivers coach out there. So that's at least one guy that you know Canales has that's that he's very familiar with from his from his time in Seattle. But you know, we talked about Canales' story, which is a, which is a great one, right? Um, in terms of his family, Mexican American family, who's you know, uh, grandparents or immigrants here. Um, his his dad, uh, you know, graduated from Harvard, came back to L.A. where they where they grew up and started a church there, a ministry that his uh, his brother is now the pastor of. Um, just a great story, and and a guy that's you know since he was twelve years old was calling plays and bringing you know clipboards to uh, Sandlot football games and things like that. Now he hasn't called plays, and this is the this is the great unknown, right? I mean, we we you know can say, well, you understand why Todd Bowles will be attracted to the system that Seattle ran, and this guy is very impressive when you when you interview him, um, and that he certainly paid his dues fourteen years with Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll didn't hire him as a coordinator. You know, Pete Carroll brought in Brian Schottenheimer, and he had Daryl Bevel, and. Um, he, he sort of passed over this guy who made it all the way to the quarterback's position, also coached wide receivers. I mean, he's, he's done everything that you can do short of being a coordinator. And now he gets his shot. Some guys are great at it, but there's some nuance to it too. And the biggest thing is what talent does he have? Who's he working with? Are we talking about Kyle Trask here? Um, you know, are we talking about some of these other quarterbacks that are going to be free agents or may make it to free agency. Um, we had a question about Geno Smith. I'll get into in just a minute. But obviously, they they have to add more quarterbacks. You can't play with just one. You're going to need four to go to camp with. Probably have one on the practice squad. And you know, Drew Locke is a name that you're going to hear because he was, you know, in competition with Smith for that Seattle starting job a year ago. Uh, somebody that has some pedigree that is also a free agent, but maybe not a high price free agent. 
which I'm not sure the Bucks will be able to deal with. So, you know, all those things, all those questions still sort of need to be answered. And, um, you know, the first step, you know, is what, what they have done, which is go ahead and, you know, try to form a coaching staff that kind of reflects what you want to do. Are these good teachers? Are they guys that can implement a scheme? Um, you know, they've had some continuity, which I'm telling you, continuity wins in the NFL. It really does win. And the problem is, is that they're all going to have to new, learn new offenses now. You know, the entire team. There is no carryover from the last couple of years. And that's that's always, you know, it's always sort of a step back, right? It's always something that, um, you know, kind of limits your production early on until everybody's sort of on the same page. So can you can you withstand those growing pains while you're waiting for a first-time play caller to – you know, hit his stride and and learn the offense, uh, teach the offense, and then learn his own players. You know, get, these are guys he's not familiar with. These are guys he's never coached. That's what the off season is for. Um, that's what OTAs are for. The installs and all of that. Um, so there's there's a lot of steps uh, ahead of him. But um, the first things first is we'll get a chance to meet Dave Canales in in a press conference later today around one o'clock over at the Advent Healthcare uh, Training Center. And that'll be great. It'll be great to uh, to meet him and see what he's all about. Uh, before we get into a couple things uh, with Jamel Dean, also with Ronnie Barber at Valspar today, I want to remind you guys of how to save money on your electric bill. You've heard me before. Now listen to me again. It's May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been re- installing solar wireless systems now for 12 years in this area. Well, 13, because I think we did the math the other day wrong, and so now it's 13 years. So there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, get this, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products, and they conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install and match it up to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. That's important. All those guys up there. On the roof, there are Billy Mays' guys working for you. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long and preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, something else that happened on Tuesday was the first day that teams can begin to designate their franchise or transition uh, players, so, you know, put the tag, the franchise tag, if you will. Uh, and, of course, the Bucks now have 23 free agents since Tom Brady has announced his retirement. So for the time being, we won't count him as a free agent necessarily. Uh, but uh, and, there, and there's a number of guys that they clearly want back. Now, the, the problem is you're $55 million over the salary cap. Uh, $35 million of that is for Tom Brady. And you're going to have to make tough decisions on some veterans, whether you want them back or not. We mentioned Leonard Fournette a minute ago, talking about guys like Donovan Smith. Um, I would think they would have a new kicker, and Ryan Suckup is probably gone. And we don't know about Cam Braid's future. So there, there's a number of guys and veteran players um, that – you know, may be released to to save that cap room, right? Uh, and so that all remains to be seen. But they have to be cap compliant by the middle of March um, and, you know, when the new league year begins. I want to say that's on March 15th. I'd have to check that. It's that Wednesday uh, of the second week of March. It's coming up pretty quick. 
So the Bucks have two weeks now to designate a franchise player, and that would prevent that unrestricted free agent, whomever he is, from going out in, into the free agent market unless they have a non-exclusive franchise tag on said player. Then he can go seek an offer sheet from some other team, and the Bucks would have write a first refusal, or they could say, nah, you take him, we don't want him, and then as, compensa- as compensation, uh, the signing team would have to then give them two first-round picks. So you don't see many exclusive rights deals uh, being executed for another team. Um, and, and frankly, I think in this case, you probably wouldn't even make entertain that idea. So so who could the Bucks, you know, put out there as a, you know, potential franchise player? I, well, I think if you look at their free agents, there are a few that are, you know, priorities, right? And I think it starts with Jamal Dean. We'll talk about him in just a second. But you got Jamal Dean. You got Levante David, who, who could retire or could decide. You know, he's year to year now. Um, could return in some capacity as they're starting. Uh, you know, inside linebacker. You also have um, guys like Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, who came in with Jamal Dean, and those guys have been together now for four years. Sean's had a history of injuries, and um, you know, sort of kind of bounced between slot corner and playing outside. Not one of their top two corners, certainly their top three, had some big playoff moments uh, during the Super Bowl run. So you like Sean Murphy Bunting. You like Levante David, obviously, to finish his career here. How about Mike Edwards, the safety? Also a uh, unrestricted free agent. Another guy that came in with that group in the secondary with communication has improved each year. And so, you know, how much change do you want on the back end, right? So they'd like to keep all these guys. But if you, you know, if you franchise somebody or use that franchise player tag as they have, on somebody um, the last several years, you're guaranteeing them, if it's a, if it's an exclusive deal, you're guaranteeing him the average salary of the top five players at his position. So let's talk about Dean kind of just for a second here. Look, he's emerged as one of the NFL's top corners, okay? Um, Pro Football Focus ranks him fifth in the league among all players set to become unrestricted free agents. Think about that. Rated fifth. Okay, that list above him includes guys like the Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, Eagles defensive lineman Javon Hargrave, and Bengals safety Jesse Bates. That's pretty. That's pretty good company right there. If you, if you've only got those four guys ahead of you among all the free agents in the NFL in this class coming up here in 2023, that's pretty damn good. Okay, and so you know that the two week window is open. And like I said, they've they've used that designation on other players before. If you recall, in uh, 2020, Shaquille Barrett received the franchise player tag after he set a franchise record with 19 and a half sacks. Excuse me, the previous season, and then he played under the one year contract that year uh, in 2020 before he received a multi year deal in 2021. Now, last year. Uh, Really, the last two seasons, the Bucks made Chris Godwin their franchise player. And last year, coming off the ACL and the MCL injury, they franchised him a second time. But before um, they started the season, they signed him to a three-year, $60 million contract just nine days after they gave him that franchise tag. So you're able to continue to work, and the goal is to continue to work on a long-term deal for these guys because then – you know, as it, as it stands, the franchise tag is just one lump sum, right, that's guaranteed. You can't 
kind of spread it over a bunch of seasons like you would with a multi-year contract and um, you know, kind of reduce that salary cap number for the first year at least. What the Bucks would have to do if they signed him to the franchise player tag or even if they just offer it, 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 it guarantees him a one-year $18.16 million contract. That's what the franchise player tag is, exclusive franchise player tag for corners this year, and that's based on revenues, the salary cap, all of that. So there's you know about a $2 million raise over what they gave Carlton Davis a year ago. Um, and, you know, I mentioned like, this has been, this has been enacted since like 93, right? They, they came up with this idea like, Hey, how can teams with free agency hold on to some of their best players, right? You have a hard salary cap. How, how can we not just have teams ripped apart by free agency? So they came up with this idea in the, in the CBA and, you know, there's, there's through the years, there's not been that many, um, Godwin was the first guy to receive it twice. The other franchise players were, we mentioned Barrett. How about Paul Gruber, the offensive tackle in 93? That would have been the first one, right, when they when they enacted this franchise player business. Then you had defensive end Shini Yohanatu in 99. Antonio Bryant, the receiver, in 2009. And in 2012, with all the struggles they were having at place kicker, they franchised Connor Barth back in 2012. I seem to remember that. But... Again, 23 free agents out there, some of them they really want. Um, the salary cap situation is real. I think Dean, if he were to make it to free agency, he's going to be, you know, if he's considered a top five guy now, there's going to be a ton of teams after him. And Spotrack, which does a lot of the contract work online, they projected his market value, uh, you know, as a free agent. They said it's at, they put it at three years. $49.67 million, or roughly $16.5 million per year. So that's a little less than a franchise tag. But, again, that's on a three-year deal. And if you want to go by kind of what they signed Carlton Davis to, he got a three-year, $44.5 million contract last year to avoid free agency. Um, that number will be a little north of that because every year there's more money in the system and, and the, uh, the tenders go up. But uh, pretty good parameter for sort of what he's dealing with. And, look, he had a good year. Uh, he started 15 games, and that's important because Dean has had a history of uh, of injuries and things like that. Uh, I think uh, you know he's he's still at times a gambler back there, but he did have two interceptions. He had eight passes defense, and frankly, people didn't really attack him all that much. I think over the last couple years, um, the completion percentage on him is right around 50 percent, which is pretty good. It's 51.9 percent over the past two seasons. And he's only 26 years old. So that's a player that you would like to hang on to longer than not, um, you know, simply because he's one of your best guys. And if you put him with a bookend corner like a Carlton Davis, it's a good start place to start. And then you have Antoine Winfield Jr., who you're going to have to deal with as a free agent in a, in a year or two. Um, you know, you're going to have to try to get back on Mike Edwards or sign another safety so you have some continuity on the back end as well. So they got a lot of work to do. They got to get cap compliant by the middle of March. So there'll be, like I said, some releases and things like that. Um, but I definitely think that, uh, you know, that he, he truly becomes, becomes a, a a priority. Uh, just one of the mailbag questions, since we're talking about this, Sean, um, Artabassi, I hope I pronounced your name right. He asked uh, the question, can we afford to tag 
Jamal Dean? And the answer is not yet, but you're not, you don't have to be cap compliant yet, right? So when the new league year begins by 4 p.m., I want to say it's March 15th, whatever that Wednesday is that week, um, then you have to be cap compliant. You have to have, you know, your salary cap at or below uh, the $224.8 million, okay? That's your player cost for this year. It's a counting number, right? So they're going to have to restructure some deals. They'll have to cut some players. I think we we did a story not long ago that showed how they could save $20 million on the salary cap or thereabouts by you know, deciding to release a Donovan Smith, uh, maybe release a Leonard Fournette, you know, a Ryan Suckup. Um, who else? There's some others in that list. But but that's those are the tough, tough choices that they're going to have to make, particularly if they want to keep a guy like Jamel Dean. Um, now, between now and the start of the new league year, here's what you could do. Rather than take, you know, all that money for on a one-year deal for Dean as a franchise player and have it on the books, you know, coming up here in a couple of weeks, how about you sign him to a long-term deal? You know, sort of like they did with um, Chris Godwin last year. You, you know, for nine days, he had the franchise player tag, and then boom, they signed him to a long-term deal, and it became a friendly deal from a, from a salary cap standpoint for the first year. And you can do some things, you know, to do that. And I think that would be, you know, that would be ideal. Um, but they don't have, of the free agents they have, there's not like a ton of them that they, you know, absolutely have to have back, need back, want back. So there's going to be guys moving on. That's the nature of, of the deal. But can they afford them? Uh, as we sit here right now, no. Uh, will they be cap compliant and still be able to get his $18 million in that range, in that salary cap, I think, I think so. I think Mike Greenberg can do that, and i I would, I'd be very hesitant to put a guy that's the fifth rated free agent player. Forget about position, but fifth rated player uh, to have him hit the market. You're probably not going to get him back, you know. Um, and maybe you just, you know, keep him under the franchise player tag for one year, and when you get your salary cap in order, much like they did twice, you know, with uh, Chris Godwin. Um, you know, you tag him again, then you work towards a long-term deal. And so you keep him in Tampa Bay for another two years minimum because you only tag a guy twice. Uh, and then, you know, you could make it longer, obviously extend that from there. So pretty good question uh, as far as that goes. Before we get into some of these other questions that I got uh, on the mailbag, I uh, want to talk to you about a little bit about uh, Rondy Barber and seeing him uh, sort of at the Valspar it was. It's the first time I, I've seen him since he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wrote a bunch of stories about it, obviously leading up to it. Uh, third year, I want to say, as a finalist, if I'm not mistaken, for Rondé. He's got a big role at the Valspar, as you guys all know. Uh, they're going to have a Rondé Barber Day out there where you know he will be available, uh, more visible than normal, I suppose. But what was neat is just, you know, First of all, just, you know, him finding out and uh, he knew for some time because they do this knock on the door show where two weeks before, you know, NFL honors, when they announced the class, uh, he was surprised by a knock on the door by Derek Brooks. I don't know if you've seen the promo on NFL Network and stuff like that, but it's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, he, he's grateful that for all that he does for the tournament that, you know, he's he's like, look, I'm I'm happy to be used to sell some some tickets out here. Um, you know, it's just about the tournament and, um, you know, so that, that part will be fun. 
His reaction to making the Hall of Fame was predictably, if you know anything about Ronnie, was, yeah, finally. Because, <laughs> you know, he knew it. And he said, I cried a little. I hugged my wife. Uh, my best friends were there. And I just kind of said, you know, finally, I'm that guy. You know, it took me a long time to get where I'm at, but I truly believed I was going to get there. And um, so, you know, it wasn't a surprise. He knew he deserved it. And the reason he deserves it is just all the milestones that he that he hit along the way. I mean... We've told the story of how he didn't play as a rookie, you know, and if you talk to Herm Edwards, he wasn't ready to play. He needed to be more disciplined. He needed to get his body in shape. He played one game during the regular season. It was against the Arizona Cardinals and Rob Moore, who lit him and everybody else up in the secondary. The Bucks won the game 1918, I believe, but Moore went off and had a big day, and then Ronnie didn't show up again until the postseason. So he had one game he was active as a rookie. Think about this now. This is a guy who played 16 years. But really he played 15 years and just two games because when they got to the playoffs, not the wild card round, but the divisional playoff game at Green Bay, Herm Edwards says, got to go play. Got to go play. So he went out there and he played and didn't make any really big plays, but didn't make any errors either. And then he never came out of the lineup again. Um, it's just incredible. And so I was talking to him and I said, you know, sort of, what is, of all the things you've done, right, um, you know, the 47 interceptions, the 28 sacks, which revolutionizing the nickel corner position, um, you know, having the signature play in the Super or the NFC Championship game, that 92-yard interception return, being an all-decade player, all the Pro Bowls. Like, what is the thing you're sort of most proud of and I kind of led the witness and said, you know, also you played 215 consecutive games. I mean, that's the most by a cornerback in NFL history. And he said, you know, I, I, I just had great production out of the position and nobody had that kind of production really before me and nobody's really had it since I left. But he said, you know, the game's changed a little bit. There's a lot more opportunities for guys to do it. But he said, being able to do it for 15 years and not miss a game, that's just, that should say something, and I think it finally did. That, in a game where, I mean, it is not a a contact sport, it is a collision sport. I've made this comparison like it's NASCAR, right? It's, it's sort of um, survival of the fittest, right? And it's a war of attrition out there, man. Whoever's got enough gas, any tread on the tire, you know, on the rims, whatever it takes to get the cross finish line, that's, that's football. And and most guys have to leave the game not on their own terms, but because they become injured or injuries have piled up and they're no longer a very good player and or age. Rondy defied all that. He defied all of it. And that's why he was recognized. Um, he's also very proud of the fact that there's only, you know, a few teams, really one that I can think of, and that's Pittsburgh Steelers that have more. Uh, off a of defense, which is five. The Bucks now have four, obviously, with uh, Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp, John Lynch, now Ronnie Barber. Um, and it, it's validation for how good that defense was, you know, for, for what Monty Kiffin did. And they were good for 10 years, not just the year they won the Super Bowl. And Ronnie said, you know, we were respected and not many defenses have a, have, you know, a, have a defense named after them. The Tampa 2, it wasn't a unique idea or concept, the two deep safeties, the cover two was used across the league, especially, um, you know, Tony Dungy brought it from what he played in Pittsburgh with Chuck Knoll and brought it to Minnesota and all of that. What made it different was you had linebackers like Hardy Nickerson or Shelton Quarles 
that could turn and run and cover the deep middle uh, with the two safeties back. And then you had, you know, a player as versatile as Ronnie Barber in the slot that could cover, that could root out ball carriers, that could blitz and sack quarterbacks. And he did so much and had great ball skills to boot that that's the, the piece that most teams don't have, right? Um, and the game's changed a little bit since when they played, but, um, you know, with him and Derek playing underneath and a rush guy like Sapp and Rice, um, who I think Simeon should be considered for the Hall of Fame, that's really sort of what the strength of that defense was. So uh, it's, it's interesting because Rondé was asked, he goes, have you, have you been to the Hall of Fame? Have you been inside? You know where the bus are? He goes, you know what? I've been there about five times. I've never let myself go in. And it's sort of a superstition thing, you know, where and I know guys that won't go won't go to a Super Bowl. Won't won't someone won't even watch it until until because their goal is I'm I want to play in it and that's when I'll that's when I'll go, that's when I'll watch it. So they're superstitious a little bit that way. Uh he says he's been in the hall five times, never went in there. Um talked about his brother, which was really funny, his twin brother Tiki. Uh, I asked him if he thought Tiki, you know, what, what what the reaction was, how he told him. And he goes, well, in the recesses of my mind, I wonder if he's envious or even happy for me because we competed so much growing up, to be honest with you. And he was like, you know, I spent a lot of my career trying to get out of the shadow of my brother. That is so true because when they were drafted, you know, Rondi didn't go until the third round. I think Tiki went in the second. Um, but regardless, you know, Tiki goes to New York to play for the Giants, the Big Apple, all the attention, right? All the sponsorships and the opportunities, um, the city life, and there's different as where they went to play, to be honest with you. Um, twins all their lives, played together all the way through college at, at Virginia. Um, but Tiki was the star early on. Tiki hit it much faster right away. Um, big ball carrier for the Giants who were very, very good at that time with Eli Manning. Etc. And in fact, Tiki was in the first Super Bowl of the Barber Brothers. That was when they came to Tampa. As a matter of fact, the Giants and the Ravens. The Ravens beat them handily with that defense. But um, it was Tiki that was the big star. You know, had all the attention. But it was Rondé who kept playing and playing and playing until he, you know, supplanted Tiki uh, and as as the Hall of Fame player. Uh, and so he said, when I got the call call to the Hall, he said one of the things that I really wanted was for him to be around. And he says, um, the first thing he told him when he got to Phoenix, he goes, well, now that you're in, I'm in. You know, we're identical twins. You know, kind of one egg we split in two. So uh, Ronnie was like, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. But um, but now he has an opportunity to talk about his brother and his brother's career. And, um, you know, I'm sure that'll be part of his uh, seven or eight-minute speech uh, when he has an opportunity to get in, into Canton. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, I want to get to some of these mailback questions here as we wrap up. Steve Versnick is uh, at the Lightning game, and the Lightning, like when I last checked, I'm sure you guys will have a score. They scored four goals in the second period 
against Anaheim and were uh, on their way, I think, to a, a fairly handy win. If they, if I'm wrong about that, we'll see uh, much later. But in, in lieu of that, um, there were some questions. I, I mentioned the one about uh, about Jamel Dean. There was a question from um, the Sunshine State. He asked, is Geno Smith the Bucks' new QB1? It was interesting to me, and it did catch my attention that Geno – was breaking news, you know, like he was Adam Schefter. my sources, he was Adam Schefter. He was the one that said, you know, that the new quarterbacks coach, uh, and, and and it was unusual because Gino and him kind of go back um, to almost high school days, and so he's known him for a while. But um, no, to answer to, the easy answer to the question is: Is Gino Smith going to be the Bucks QB one? No. He is not. And the reason he's not is that I'm quite convinced that the Seattle Seahawks will not let him out of Seattle. They should be the ones franchising him soon. That's if they can't get a deal for him in the next couple of weeks, which they're working on a free agent deal. Um, they could always slap the tag on and then it comes off as he signs a longer term deal. But there is there is really no way in my mind that Geno Smith's going to leave Seattle. Look, he, he, has, he was the comeback player of the year there, right? And I love this quote. Like people asked him, you know, sort of, um, had he been written off? You know, was it feel like to be a, to be a written off and have the kind of year you had? Thirty touchdowns, eleven interceptions, more than forty two hundred yards passing. And he goes, "Well, I might have been written off, but I didn't write back." <laughs> and I love that quote. But to, but you know, when Russell Wilson was traded, it was like, "Oh my God, the Seahawks are going to be awful, right?" Just pencil them in for last, and they weren't. Um, they got off to a pretty good start. They kind of plateaued, if you will, and, and maybe one of their worst games was when the Bucks won in Germany against Seattle, which was a great atmosphere, but I don't think the Seahawks played pretty poorly in the first half. Um, but they still finished 9-8, and eight, which is a better record than the Bucks. They made it to the wild card game against San Francisco. It was a game for about a half, and they lost to the 49ers. No shame in that. But Geno Smith just did a hell of a job, and I think he's their quarterback going forward. I, I don't think they're going to let him out of there. Now, could they let Drew Locke out of there? Absolutely. Um, you know, Drew Locke is another guy that uh, was kind of battling with Geno the, when the year began and lost the job to him, but he's an unrestricted free agent. So would it make sense for Dave Canales to bring him in because he knows the offense, right? He gets it. He uh, can help teach it to people like Kyle Trask. Um, but no, I don't think Geno is the uh, is the new QB1, even though he certainly had his uh, had his antenna up, if you will, as to who they were hiring as a uh, you know sort of as an offensive uh, quarterbacks coach. We also had a question from Alex to Tampa, um, and this was about this was about Jamal Dean. Well, let me go back first uh, in terms of like how do they afford Sean Artabasi? Yes, how do they afford to, to pay Dean? And we, we mentioned that they're going to have to get under the cap and be cap compliant. You're going to have to cut some guys. So Alex asked, uh, why did they have him playing special teams against Dallas? I think people were curious, like, is Sean Murphy bunting a better player? Is Dean? No, it's Dean. And the thing that was unfortunate for Jamel, who had a great year, and he played 15 games, but the last few, he broke his toe. And anybody that has done that is his big toe on one of his feet. I think it was his left foot, but I'm not sure. Um it's debilitating, right? Much less to go out there and play an NFL game. 
So when they got to the when they got to the playoff, the wild card playoff against Dallas, you looked up and you're like, wow, Dean's not playing defense. So he was limited to just special teams, which is straight ahead running, not cutting. Um, and it was, you know, what is it, six, seven plays a game? But you don't want to play their starter on special teams because they get gassed. So Murphy Bunning took over sort of Dean's role at corner. And, you know, they had to play Winfield inside as they do often. But it wasn't because they benched him. It wasn't because he wasn't playing well. It was merely because he was injured, and that's all he could give them. And so, you know, your choices are make him inactive, right? And then what? If you get an injury, maybe he can go up and finish a game for you, right? Maybe he had enough juice in him for that. But if he's on the bench and he's not starting because Murphy Bunning is, you don't want Murphy Bunning running down on kickoffs. He's going to get too tired. So Dean was able to give him a couple reps on special teams. But didn't doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form um, that that he was healthy, right? Um, and going back to Geno Smith, Sean Hendricks had, had written, do you think that Geno Smith knew about the quarterback's coach and Thad Lewis because he might be talking with the Bucks? I think he's probably talking to Thad Lewis <laughs> because those guys have a history. And you know what? He also has a history, clearly, with the offensive coordinator now um, and Dave Canales. So how that gets back to Seattle, there's a number of Seattle assistants including Brad, it's, you know, coming here and guys that have been around um, Dave for a while. And so Gino had his ear to the ground and, and yeah, he broke the news. Um, but I don't think, again, I think he's going to be franchised. If not signed to a long-term deal, that one would be a gift if somehow he were to become an unrestricted free agent. But Pete Carroll, you know, is well aware what Canales knows about their offense and, um, knows about their personnel, and it'd be much likely, much more likely, I think, that a Drew Locke would wind up here. And there's still other free agents that, if they become cap compliant or when they do, you know, can you get a Baker Mayfield? I don't think they're going to be in it for the big ticket guys. We've talked about this. Uh, you know, uh, Derek Carr, who's you know spoken glowingly about the New York Jets of late. Uh, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do when he comes out of his, you know what was it, blackout hiatus or whatever it was, four days in a dark room, um, whether he'll play, where he's going to play, all of that. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is going to get paid by somebody, not this team. You look at the injury history he's had, you'd have to be really wary of paying a guy that has missed as many games as he has. So, you know, the quarterback thing will be next, but we'll get some more answers, hopefully, uh, when we get a chance to talk to Dave Canales later today at one o'clock. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with uh, more information about the Bucks offense, about their coaching staff as it continues to form. And you can always submit your, your mailbag questions to us anytime. You don't have to wait for us to do that specific show. We usually do a couple every every day anyway. And you can do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com. For Steve Burstick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.